Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapters 19 through 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Judges chapter 19, chapter 20, and chapter 21. Got a pen? These chapters dramatically depict the darkness and the depravity of Israel at this time. I'm going to tell you something. These chapters are unbelievable. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to read ahead, but it is unbelievably gruesome Probably the most gruesome, grimmest chapters in all of the Bible. And yet, you know, I I was thinking about that today and I thought, should this be any surprise to us that these chapters are the most grim and gruesome and gross and grotesque chapters in the Bible? Don't you remember the last time we were together in Judges chapter 17, verse 6? And then if you fast forward to the last chapter of this book... And the last verse, the last chapter, chapter 21, look at it, fast forward, and look at verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And read it with me. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Should it surprise us that these chapters are grim and gruesome when in those days there was no king and everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes? That shouldn't surprise us. And when people choose to turn their backs on God and do what is right in their own eyes, corruption will take over their lives. In Psalm, pardon me, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, it says, There's a way that seems right unto a man, a woman, but the end thereof is what, saints? Death. So when we turn our backs on God as a people, as a church, as a nation, should we be surprised that we find ourselves in this unbelievably gruesome and corrupt and, and, and gross form of lifestyle? But on the other hand, when you commit your life, now listen, listen close, When you commit your life to Christ and you do what is right in the eyes of the Lord and you live by biblical principles, there's a wholeness, there's a correctness, there's a richness that comes in your life. In other words, if you obey God's word, you will be blessed and you will prosper. And that's what the Bible says. Now, come on, Rodney, is everything going to be perfect in my life? Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. And Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
So in the world, as believers and as Christians, we are going to have tribulation. We're going to have problems. There's going to be situations and circumstances. So your life is not going to be perfect. But if you choose to follow God's word and live your life the way the Bible says live your life, you will be blessed. How do you know? Psalm 1, my favorite verse. In my office, I have this verse written on my wall. If you've been in my office, you know that. Psalm 1 talks about the happy man, and it talks about the one, the man who meditates on the word of God day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, and whatever he does shall prosper. In other words, the man who abides in Christ is going to be blessed. Amen, saints? You're going to be blessed. But let me tell you something. When you decide to follow your own way, and not live by biblical principles, your life is going to fall apart. And that is exactly what you see in these chapters. People who have rejected God and refused to allow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to reign over their hearts and their lives, their, their lives fall apart. Nations fall apart. Whole tribes of people fall apart. And so I'm reading my, these chapters and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm actually praying. I'm like, Lord, what is it that we can get as a body other than grossed out? You will. But what can we get from these chapters? Well, I, I think it's as simple as this. What you can get and what I can get is what a life becomes when Jesus does not reign as king in your life. And so woven through, seasoned through our study, I'm going to talk about what happens when Jesus isn't king. Judges chapter 19, be that as it may. Judges chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. We're going to have to take whole chunks of text, so put your brains on. Judges chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say amen. amen. And it came to pass in those days... When there was no king in Israel, that there was a certain Levite staying in the remote mountains of Ephraim. He took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. But his concubine played the prostitute, the harlot, against him, and went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah and was there for four whole months. Then her husband, in verse 3, arose, the Levite, and went after her to speak kindly to her and to bring her back, having his servant and a couple of donkeys with him. And so she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. Now his father-in-law, in verse 4, the young woman's father detained him, and he stayed with him three days. So they ate and they drank, and literally that means they got drunk. And they lodged there. And then it came to pass on the fourth day that they arose early in the morning and he stood to depart. But the young woman's father said, or his father-in-law said to his son-in-law, Oh, refresh your heart with a morsel of bread. Afterward, go your way. And so they sat down, the two of them start drinking again. And then the young woman's father said to the man, Please be content to stay all night and let your heart be merry. And when the man stood to depart, his father-in-law urged him and said, so uh, urged him, so he lodged there again. Here we are, day four. 
Then he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. But the young woman's father said, please refresh your heart. So they delayed until afternoon, and both of them ate. And when the man stood to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the young woman's father, said to him, look, the day is now dawning toward evening. Please spend the night. See, the day is coming to an end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. Tomorrow go your way early so that you may get home. However, in verse 10, the man was not willing to spend that night, so he arose and he departed. Stop right there. Give me your attention. A Levite. Uh, You know what a Levite is. This is a guy who is from the tribe of Levi. He was to be devoted and dedicated to the service of the Lord in the temple of the Lord. So this is a minister. This is a reverend. And so this minister, this Levite, he took a concubine. Now, a concubine is a a woman or a wife without or mistress without all the privileges of a wife. Now, many men in the Bible have taken concubines. We won't take time to point that out to you, but there are many, many men in the Bible that have taken concubines. Just because something was done in the Bible does not mean it was right. Say amen. Otherwise, we see folks committing suicide, and we can just say, oh, well, we all should go commit suicide. Well, hello. No. And just because godly men, great men, Took concubines does not mean it was right. As a matter of fact, it was very wrong. As a matter of fact, taking a concubine was never ordained or approved by God. It was not God's divine design. You see, God's divine design was that a man should leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be made one flesh, and what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So it was God's design that one man and one woman, and that they're to be committed to each other and leave and cleave to each other. And so this Levite, he took a concubine, and he thought it was fine. Point number one, when Jesus isn't king, your marriage suffers. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, did you notice after four months of marriage, the concubine left her husband and she moved back home? And the father is probably thinking like any other father, you know, my daughter, she might be a wild child, A little bit on the wild side, but you know, she is my daughter, and I want her to stay with her husband. I want her to stay with the Levi. And so dad, the father-in-law, seeks to help the situation by causing the Levite to stay in the home, hopefully maybe to bring them back together. Seems right. I mean, any parent, naturally, any parent would want to help their children when there is a problem in the marriage. And so the Levite comes to get his wife. The father was glad to see him. And notice the father detained him for three days and the Levite tried to leave. The fourth day, the Levite tried to leave and the father said, no, stay, eat, refresh yourself. The fifth day at evening, the Levite said, I've got to get out of here. I got to go. 
So what we have here now is a daughter who has gone home and gotten the in-laws involved in her marriage. Okay, we got to talk about it. This is a mistake. You know, I found this shocking. I didn't know this until today. The third leading cause of divorce in marriage, number one, money. Number two, sex. And number three, you guessed it, in-laws. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Now, as a pastor, I've been involved with situations where there's a problem in the marriage, and little Susie, you know, she had no problem with a little husband. Little Susie go home and tell mom, and, you know, mom says, you know, she says, Mom, I can't believe how he's treating me. And you know how moms are. I mean, you're a mom, you know. Mom, I can't believe how he's treating me. No, girl, how's he treating you? Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, you know what? You just stay home. As a matter of fact, the room is just like you left it before you left home. We never even change room. Now, that, that's a mistake. Now, listen, when your kids leave home, do something different with the room. I'm trying to get a home gym. And as I told you, as a gift from me to my children, for any occasion, I give luggage. Because I want them to move because I want a home gym. I mean, I'm tired of going to the gym, and I just want to go upstairs and go to the, do my workout, my cardio at the gym in my house. So when my kids leave, I'm immediately going to change the room because I don't want you to come back. You come back and say, Dad, I ain't got nowhere to live. Well, you can't live upstairs because I got my weight set. You ain't got to go, but you got to get out of here. I don't know what you want me to tell you. You got to go. And you so, you know, I can't believe it, Mom. I can't believe what he did. Mom says, you know, you know, honey, you don't have to put up with that. Just stay here. Listen, here, parents, can I give you some advice? If you have children who are married, stay out of their marriage. Say amen, even if you don't like what I just said. Stay, don't get involved. And kids... Don't get your parents involved. The best thing you can do for your marriage is leave your in-laws out of your marriage. Wives, don't go home and tell your mom all that your husband is doing. And husbands, don't go home and tell your dad all that your wife is doing. Try to work it out on your own. And stay home. Don't go and parents, help them. You know, when they come to your house and they say, well, he did this and he did that and I can't believe it. And boy, you know, he keeps leaving the toilet seat up and I can't and I have to sit on cold porcelain and I'm just tired of it. I have had all this mental abuse. And you just tell them, you know what? Go back home and the porcelain will warm up. What do you mean? I mean, what do you want me to say here? You got to send them home. Parents, when they come, send them back. Because when it's all said and done, now here's how it works. And listen, listen close. I'm trying to help you tonight. I'm just trying to help you. When it's all said and done, you will have 
Your daughter will have forgiven him. Your son will have forgiven her. They will be kissing and carrying on. And, 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 and you'll be sitting there. And, and you know what? Sometimes you become the problem. And before you know it, they unite against you. Before you know it, you are the problem. So they've forgiven each other. They have moved on. They, they, and then what happens is your mom and your dad, they don't ever forget what you did to my baby. Oh, you did that to my, they never forget. It's the truth. I mean, 10 years from now, they could be loving each other, loving Jesus on the mission field. And the mom is like, yeah, I can't stand him. 10 years ago, he did that to my little girl. See, parents don't forget. That's why you can't get your in-laws involved. Because then it just gets messy. Then it just gets to be a real problem. Moms and dads, they just don't forget things. And so you shouldn't get them involved. Listen, you will never regret. Now listen, you will never regret what you do not tell your in-laws. Say amen, y'all. And you will certainly regret what you tell your in-laws. Definitely. That's the way it works. Keep your in-laws out. And in-laws, stay out. Rodney, you're talking about secrecy? No, I'm not talking about secrecy. I'm talking about submission. Remember, the two shall become one. I'm talking about submission, not secrecy. Submission, not to each other. Although that's important, I'm ultimately talking about submission to the Lord. He's the one that said two shall become one flesh. He's the one that said leave and cleave. And part of the problem is we don't leave and we don't cleave. And sometimes we leave and then we don't cleave. And sometimes we cleave and we don't leave. Get the tape. But it's true. I mean, we don't, you know, we, we don't cleave. It's almost like, you know, we, we get married and then you call mom every single day. You know, mom, this happened. Mom, that happened. Dad, this happened. Listen, leave and cleave. I thank God today, and I can honestly say this in all truth, that I have a wife who has never, ever, ever involved my mom and my mom has never got involved in our marriage. And we've been married now almost 22 years. And Gertrude, believe it or not, has never been involved in our marriage. And if you tell her I said that, you are going to be in trouble. As a matter of fact, I've got to tell you something. I said something about my mom last week from the pulpit. Wednesday night, Okay. I called her on Thursday morning. I generally call her on Thursday morning. Just, hey, mom, how you doing? I have to wake her up and stuff, you know. Hey, mom, how you doing? And she said, oh, you were talking about me last night at church, huh? (laughs) How do you know that? That was like nine hours ago. I mean, how do you know that already? She said, oh, I have my sources, and let me tell you something. I'm your mother. You're not mine. I'm like, oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay, mom, call you later. Bye. Oh, mom, we're breaking up. Mom, we're breaking up. Unbelievable. Amazing. But she's never been involved in my marriage. And wives, don't tell people your problems in your marriage. You know, that, that, that's not good. 
Because again, the same thing happens in a marriage relationship with the in-laws happens among your friends too. Husbands don't tell other guys, oh, my wife, man, she burns the eggs every morning. I can't believe her. She can't get the eggs right ever. Oh, she's so evil. It's like, don't do that to each other. Don't spread things around like that. Because what happens is you huggy, huggy, kissy, kissy, and all your friends, they still remember, man, that woman can't even cook eggs. She mistreats that man. You see? Don't do that to each other. If there's problems in the marriage, what I'm trying to say is allow Jesus to be the king over your marriage. If you have problems in your marriage, then don't call your girlfriend. Don't call your mom. Why not call on Jesus? Give it a shot. And tell the Lord. And you know what happens? God starts working on your heart. That's kind of not what I want to hear, Rodney. Yeah, but that's true. God starts working on your heart. He starts showing you the areas in your life. And then he works on the other person. Don't pray God work on my husband. Pray God work on me. And then when God starts working on you, then your attitude will change and your heart will change towards your husband, towards your spouse. And God will work on them. See, it's not that hard. God knows that we're not that smart. And so he doesn't give us a lot to work with. I mean, he gives us two basic commandments in this thing called marriage. It's husbands, love your wives. And what, look, even if you're not married, I'm talking to you, especially if you're not married, you need to listen, listen close. So that you don't make all these mistakes that a lot of us have already made. A lot of them have already made. We have, so if you have any questions, single people, ask all those people out there. But God gives us like two commandments. I mean, think about it. It's just two. Husbands, love your wives. It's Christ love the church, sacrificially. And then, then wives, love, submit to your husbands. That's it. Two. Because God knows we're thick. We don't get it. So we can only handle two things. Husbands, love your wife. Wife, submit to your husband. And if you do that, then you give Jesus the opportunity. Again, not secrecy, submission. You give Jesus the opportunity to work in your marriage and to become the king over your marriage. Amen, saints. Gosh, we could talk about that all night long, but I still have a hundred more verses to go. And so, <laughs> so this father now, <laughs> this father, uh, this father, all right, watch it now. All right. Now, <laughs> don't make me throw you out. Who said that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, now notice it's the father, right? He thought he could be a part of the glue that keeps these two together. And finally, the Levite says, no, I got to go. I'm out of here. He left and the concubine left with him. Verse 10. So he arose and he departed and came opposite Jabus. That is what saints Jerusalem with him were the two saddle donkeys. His concubine was also with him and they were near Jabus. And the day was far spent. And the servant said to his master, come, please let us turn aside into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. But his master said to him in verse 12, we will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibeah. And so he said to his servant, come, let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed by and they went their way and the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. Important to remember. 
They turned aside there to go into lodging Gibeah, and when he went in, he sat down in the open square of the city, for no one would take him into his house to spend the night, which was kind of odd because culturally you were supposed to take people into your house. Just then, in verse 16, an old man came in from his work in the field at evening, who also was from the mountains of Ephraim. He was staying in Gibeah, whereas the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he raised his eyes, he saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, where are you going and where do you come from? And so he said to him, we're passing from Bethlehem in Judah toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there, the Levite said. I went to Bethlehem in Judah. Now I'm going to the house of the Lord, but there is no one who will take me into his house. Although we have both straw and fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for myself, for your female servant and for the young man who is with your servant, there is no lack of anything. In other words, we have everything we need. We just need a place to sleep. And the old man said in verse 20, peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. So he brought them into his house and gave fodder to the donkeys, and they washed their feet, and they ate, and they drank. Now, in the days of the judges, Jerusalem was controlled by the Jebusites, and the city was known then as Jabus. When David took control of the city, that's when he called it Jerusalem the city of the king. And so when they arrived in the town of Gibeah, which belonged to the tribe of Benjamin, they couldn't find a place to sleep. In those days, there was no Motel 6, there was no Comfort Inn, there was no Hampton Inn, which is my wife's favorite hotel. None of that was in those days. And so this old man was staying in Gibeah. He offered them a place to stay without charge. Notice what happens. As they were in verse 22, enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men, that would be Benjamites note takers, certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.